So we return to the subject of the Marvel Cinematic Universe here, right now, on the Mad About Movies podcast, but uh, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe we're used to talking about. In fact, uh, quite different and quite refreshing, I should say, uh, to see Spider-Man a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Finally, it's a homecoming Back for in the fold, back where he belongs. Oh, I see what they did there with Homecoming now. Well, yeah. oh, they're, they're so clever over there. Gosh. Gosh, Kevin. Feige. Just chill out over there. He needs to chill. Okay. They fooled at least one podcaster. For first order of business tonight, Kevin Feige, chill out, man. You're, <laughs> you're, you're killing us. You're a little overwhelming these days. Uh, man, excited to talk Spider-Man again with you, Brian. Yeah. Been only Richard a, wasn't here for our throwback episode. Right, it's been it? only a few weeks since we dove. I've deep never into seen it. The, never seen it. <laughs> Garfield never seen is, a Spider-Man. Garfield is my Spider-Man. Mm, yeah, Garfield. You did, is your you did see the Broadway Andrew Garfield? Play, no, the not Andrew Garfield. No, the, uh, the cartoon bro- cat. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a very obscure crossover. You probably haven't heard of it. I thought it was Andrew Garfield, the president. That you were just really <laughs> first. It's LBJ, and now it's Andrew Garfield, and you're just uh working your way through them. It's going to be good to talk about Spider-Man again, though, tonight. But what I want to do is talk a little movie news, rumors, rumblings. Guys, it's been, I feel like it's been just as long since we've talked about that. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Mm. So there's, there's one... There's one rumbling, Brian, that's mm. crept up on us, and we haven't gotten to discuss it, but it's quite a big rumbling rumor out there right now. I'm excited. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm super stoked. Well, um, apparently Daniel Day-Lewis retiring from acting. The that's GOAT. Farce. The I've GOAT. never heard of him. What's yeah. he known for? <laughs> uh, the boxer. And uh, I think that's it, actually. Just the yeah, boxer. His only role. Yeah, he's just a cobbler, guys. That's it. He just got lucky that uh, got on TV once, and uh, so that's it. That's all he is. He's just going back to his cobbling business. <laughs> we can only hope that uh, people out there only know him as that the cobbler. Oh, you mean? Oh, I saw the cobbler in the Spielberg movie, honey. Our local cobbler was in a Spielberg movie. I saw. Better cobbler, Daniel Day Lewis or Adam Sandler? Go. Mm. I'm gonna go. I think Adam Sandler's probably the better cobbler, but Daniel Day-Lewis is funnier. Okay, so. let me throw this this way. Let me throw this this way to you. Better cobbler. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Adam Sandler, or Blackberry? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Apple Cobbler there, Richard. Mistake. If I rank my it, cobblers, I, I wrote in Apple Cobbler. One, Blackberry 1, Peach 2, mm. Apple 3, Daniel Day-Lewis 4, Sandler 5. I think that's the top five cobbler rankings. It's strong. I'm out on apple cobbler because I would rather just have apple pie. Like let's just stick. I think to it is pie. basically is apple pie. Don't be fancy. In a square yeah. in a square. That's why container. blackberry cobbler is the best because blackberries are too messy for pie. But in a cobbler with some ice cream on top, they're perfect. You're all welcome. Yeah, and we can all agree peach cobbler sucks. <laughs> peach cobbler oh, is the worst. Too. Worst peach cobbler is delightful. Yeah. Peach cobbler is delightful. Yeah. 
like a little, I, I like a peach pie. I'm a pie guy over cobbler all day. So can we talk pie, about this? Pizza can pie, we get into this? Pie life of pie, greater than cake, right? Cake is severely overrated. I'm team pie. <laughs> like the the best cake in the world is better than pretty much every pie, but most cake is trash. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's right. How, that's that's, how a, that's a great way to put it. I pie think so. Is, yeah, it's harder to mess up pies. Pie bats three fifty with like a bunch of doubles, <laughs> and cake hits like sixty five home runs, but mm. only bats like two ten. And strikes out a lot. Yeah. Cake is Joey Gallo, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a little inside baseball for you guys. <laughs> hey. Oh. Literally. Oh, Yahtzee. Yahtzee. Oh. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with pie. Like I said, it's easier to mess up a cake. I've had a lot more bad cakes than I've had bad yeah, pies in my life. Yeah. And sometimes you get the dry cake. I mean, yeah, you can go bad. to the supermarket and get a frozen pie for three bucks, and it is a great dessert. <laughs> You know, yeah. If you're gonna get an awesome cake, you are gonna have to shell out some dough. Pretty you're much. listening to dessert cast. <laughs> <laughs> it's pie chat, your weekly pie cake yeah, breakdown. Pie doesn't break your heart, you know. Ever. She's, yeah. she's always there. Yeah. All you True. gotta throw is a little ice cream. Heat her up. Throw a little ice cream on top of her. She's there for you every weekend. Yeah. Yes. Cake. I had cake pie today. A... As a matter of fact, I try to have pie daily. It's actually <laughs> one of my three goals every day. So can I tell you guys a story? So, uh, and I'll. We're done talking pie here. We're a little soon. brief, <laughs> uh, brief uh, insight into my life, uh, and I don't mean to be a bummer. Trust me, the story gets funnier. After my mom died, um, my friend Corey, friend of the show, Corey Wynn, and I moved in with my stepdad to help him renovate a house, and uh, so we lived with him for like nine months, and. Uh, <laughs> He would have pie, and he was like 70 at the time, maybe 69, and uh, and he would have a slice of pie and mm-hmm. um, a frappuccino, like one of those bottled frappuccinos, um, the grocery store for breakfast. Like at one like million six, calories, yeah. Like 6, you know, 40 a.m., and he would have like 3,000 calories, and Corey, Joe Corey and I nuts. <laughs> And he's now 75, and he just got he just went to the doctor and was like completely healthy, and I hate him because I couldn't do that at 30. I would die. Starting that diet right now. All right, so I don't believe it. I don't believe Daniel Day Lewis is retiring. I think it's just, oh, just he, like oh, I'm just going to chill about? out. Yeah. But how does he feel about pie? <laughs> yeah, we know he's good cobbler, but is, can he make a pie? That's really what the uh, conversation should end on. I, man. I don't think you. I don't I don't think he's retiring. I think he's just chilling out, and he'll come back triumphantly in some yeah. Scorsese movie or something, and just be amazing. Yeah, he said he's I, think ret- he's. I think he's said this like twenty times, by the way, in his career already. He's like, I'm just you gonna know, be a cobbler. Sorry, I'm not gonna act. Then <laughs> he came back. He only does he does movies so sporadically that is there really any difference between him retiring and being an active actor? Like he doesn't. It's not like yeah. he's putting out two movies a year. It's it's very very few and far between whenever something catches his attention. So whenever he really wants to do something, then he, so if that comes around, I imagine he comes right back or perhaps he's just researching. He's just doing research for his next project, which is, I don't know, as a retired actor, that's, Mm -hmm. that could be the next thing. It could be very, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Right. Go on Letterman. Oh man. That that brings (laughs) back memories too. Uh, Richard, any thoughts? I guess, He's either A, re- really retired, or B, not. So that's really – that's it. You Let's know? just say he's really <laughs> retired. He's a brilliant actor. I think we can all admit he's the great actor of our time. That's great. 
and I think that's oh, fair. Cup, but sure. That's true. The cup, then Daniel Day-Lewis, and that's, I think, pretty universal. But all that being said, if Daniel Day-Lewis is being serious and he's really retired, which I'm terribly sad about, and that's awful, we're going to miss one performance every five to ten years. Right. It's not yep. the end of the world. Yep. We'll all so move on. He gone. I thought he was retired, like I said, 20 times already. After every movie, <laughs> I assume that's his last one. Unless Spielberg calls and's like, you want to be Abraham Lincoln? He's like, that's yeah. kind of, yeah, I'll do that. You know, it's like very rarely will he uh, ever feel it's worth the effort to become somebody for the next two years. Because that's like he, the only way he works, right, uh, right. is actually right. becoming somebody. But, um, yeah, that's that's a tough one, maybe, to to lose. He's still got that PTA PTA movie this fall. Like oh, right really? Christmas. Yeah, this is his last film. Is coming oh, okay, out cool. Cool. Yeah. I thought he was. Uh, I didn't know he had stuff in the can already. That's good to know. Yeah, one more, one more coming. He said he'll do the press tours and all that sort of stuff for it. So we'll yeah. we'll get plenty of opportunities to to hear late night commentary on why he's retiring and such, or fake retiring, as it may be. Yeah. Well, a little bit of trailer talk here for you. Man, it's been fun to see what trailers they throw at some of these uh, bigger blockbusters over the past couple weeks and uh, how they've been reacting with with the audiences. I'll tell you, the trailer that hasn't really landed at any screening, I've been I've probably seen it at four different movies this summer, is that uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. It's been yep. like no one knows what to think about that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the two different trailers, the one with well, like the... I'm I'm podcasting right now live from – being in line from i'm in line, line for it oh. yeah i'm in line for the hitman's bodyguard so i <laughs> can think you, can you interview anybody that... nearby can you yeah, interview them you want me to yeah please okay hold please. on all right all right sir hey excuse me oh, sorry oh, i just stepped on your tent hi uh richard from the mad about movies podcast uh you here for the hitman's bodyguard yeah all right right on cool <laughs> cool right. man wow he's here for it we're all fired up there's about wow. 30 of us Wow, yeah. super fired up. Now there are a lot, a lot of them dressed as Green Lantern by chance. Um, is there a lot of Ryan Reynolds two, fans? Two Deadpool's, two Green Lanterns, but there's two that are in like really small coffins. I guess um, it's a buried alive reference from that one movie uh-huh. he did about being yeah. buried alive. I think it might have been called Buried Alive. I don't know. Right. Um, and then there's two guys here with a girl, and then like a small pizza place. I think that are also big. Uh, big fans as well so richard uh what's the what's the snack of choice amongst the people camping out there at the uh, just airheads mostly yeah. airheads that's what um I thought. yeah yeah I mean, obviously and then uh and then uh a few ring pops and uh fruit by the foot mm, there we go any string that's... things out there richard tonight <laughs> hey guys hey guys do we have any string things do we ha- doesn't sound like it do we have any string things I know there's no string things here so far. Well, let me know if they do. Thank you, Richard, reporting live from the uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. You're welcome. Campgrounds. I'm going to go back to bed. Okay. All right. Well, have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Wow. Did not expect that tonight, but it, it hasn't worked at all for, yeah. for anyone. It's very confusing. And uh, another trailer that I saw for the first time this past screening was the Jumanji trailer. Oh, yeah. And what do you guys think about this? It's 
It sure is a trailer. I don't know. Like I hadn't. I it sure is I a trailer. <laughs> I hadn't seen it until uh, Spider Man, and people had been sending it to us, and I just hadn't gotten around because I don't really. I guess I don't really care. I'm not. Yeah. A Jumanji super fan. I guess. What? Uh, I play nightly. Fine. I have the board game set up here. Richard can attest to that. It's. I have a t- table actually dedicated to it. And, yeah. Well, um, I'm always scared to move the pieces. I don't yeah. want to get sucked. Yeah. In the right. Game. Exactly. That's uh, the risk. That's the risk, though. But it's Jumanji. Yeah. It's the it's the funnest game. I prefer the invented. Zathura. So. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's. I so I hadn't seen the trailer until this week, and a lot of people have been saying that it, they liked it, and I that's. I guess that's good for them. I don't know. Man. Like, I was, I, I wasn't know, like. I don't know where I am but... on it at all. I don't know where I am on um, them changing it to a video game. I guess that's okay. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That's modern. But that's I modern. feel like one of the best bits of the movie is going to be the reveal of them realizing they're kids in yeah. another person's body or whatever. You know, yeah. how long can they play that bit up? That's that's my question with it. I agree. Yeah. It, when is it going to get old and? Jack yeah. Black's just acting like a teenage girl, and it's not like in a really positive way at all. You know? Yeah, I, I cringed a little bit on the "I can't even" joke. That just that was right. Mm, I just feel like that's what I am going, what we're going to get from that movie a lot. We're going to get that kind of joke, and then of course we have to get "Welcome to the Jungle" in there because I predicted that. If one, we don't right? have sympathy for the devil, then we might as well have "Welcome to the." Jungle. But the question: Do they have fun and games? Yeah, they do. They have everything you want. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's we know amazing. the name. We know it. I, I mean, as you guys know, it bummed me out because I am a uh, I'm a I'm a GNR fan, but exclusively Chinese democracy. Oh yeah. So whenever they don't use that material, it just bums you yeah, out. They it's like oh, appetite for destruction. destruction you're bummed. yeah. November rain again. What is? <laughs> yeah, I prefer Catcher in the Rye from uh, Chinese Democracy. <laughs> Ooh, the catcher in the rye again. Yep. The only person in the world that even knew that was a song in Chinese. You know, do you know the story about Chinese democracy in me? No, but now oh, let's, this will let's be hear. funny considering what we just went over. Blum and I went to Best Buy at six thirty in the morning and got in line, just the two of us, and waited for them to open to buy Chinese democracy just because we wanted to see the looks on their faces. Six years in the making. And Blum was like, "We've been waiting for eighteen years for this." <laughs> And then they were just like, oh, okay, we bought it on CD for $9 and we left. Man, I remember every in a bucket head. Every store being just full of that because oh, they yeah. didn't sell any and they anticipated this huge uh, you know, rush of people or whatever. And so the <laughs> whole aisle was Chinese democracy and they weren't selling any of them. You yeah, know? I think they were pretty it, much like a dollar by the time. Yeah. They shipped it on vinyl too in a time when no one was buying vinyl. I just <laughs> well, like, what are you? Well, what are you thinking here? Like yeah. who, who is waiting to spend forty bucks on the vinyl copy of Chinese? Besides you two, besides me, yeah. yeah. I I have it. I I pre-ordered it on vinyl. <laughs> I'm, I'm exclusive, first listen only on vinyl kind of guy. No, yeah. Um, man, but the movie is called Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. So I mean, you had to. I mean, you really. They, you think they named the uh, movie after they just cut the trailer and they're like, let's just call it Welcome to the Jungle. You know? <laughs> We don't have a title for this. Just Guys, Jumanji got a killer 2. Killer idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like the people involved, and sure. uh, so it's got that going for it. But I think yeah. it, the bit could. Yeah, I'll see it. It's just yeah. I'm not, I'm not super looking forward to it. And that trailer didn't really change my mind. I guess. 
Yes. There is a certain dag factor to the original Jumanji that you can't replicate. Sure. You can't. That's you just can't. You Those can't scenes just... I watch on repeat all the time. The other parts, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Odds of a dag cameo in Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. What do you no, put he's got at? seven pilots. I don't know if he'll have time. <laughs> yeah. He's got a. He's got the. He's still recovering from the American Treasures after party. <laughs> it's like a three week kind of a. I hangover. hear he's, he's joined the cast of Mom, um, and that's gonna have two American Treasures between him and Allison Janney. Right. Amazing. Um, and that's gonna be the official show of the Mad Mad Movies podcast that n- none of us watch. <laughs> Brian watches it. No, I don't know. Nope. Brian watches everything. Completest. Not sure. Not, not anymore. Adrian watches everything. Adrian is our official oh, uh, podcast watcher. Yeah, we need. I would, we yeah. need. We need. We need uh, volunteer watchers, so we'll have everything covered <laughs> from some angle. Yeah. If you want to do that, let we us need, know. Yeah, we need reporters on the scene for mom. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we'll have to find out about Jumanji. But I guess any other trailers catch all's attention? Uh, the Dark Tower, I guess, kind of. New trailer that dropped. It's pretty good, I guess. Um, yeah. Worried about the release date on that one, but could, nervous could be a good one. movie. Yeah. It's yeah. weird seeing it and The Dark Tower back to back, and it's like they're both like from the novel yeah. from Stephen King. It's like oh, we're just gonna right. get a Stephen King year. Tommy Knockers is next, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're getting a Pet Cemetery remake uh, right around the corner too. I think something, and uh, I'm sure they'll redo The Shining. Or they'll try to because they can, and. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, no. Any trailers that you guys have seen in the theaters lately? It's been kind of dry for me lately. It seems like this is this Emoji is the time movie? of year. Yeah, I can't wait. can't wait. <laughs> Gosh, I, I really need that to come and go so that my child right. never finds out. First mistake it. of the Emoji movie. Okay. And uh, you notice it right away. What are emojis? They're what? On your screen, little stickers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh they're inherently 2D. Hell, hey, how, let's make them 3D for the movie. How about that? 3D animation. It would have been so much better if they kept them 2D, like, and did 2D animation almost with them. You know, it would have been. They don't even look like emojis. They just look like fat hands. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I don't know if that could have be any worse of an idea, but it'll make probably a lot of money since I said that. And uh, <laughs> I've had the golden touch this year. These types of things. <laughs> So, if I say it'll sure. if I say it'll make money though, it'll be Despicable Me three. Yeah, um, Despicable Me three is actually making money, so I can't say yeah, that. Yeah, it's doing fine. But, but but there might not be any more Despicable Me movies, so that's a silver lining in all this and everything in life. I think you can just go to bed <laughs> at night and think, man, there might not be any more Despicable Me movies. To it's too bad. It's a dark day. Too bad. It would be a dark day. It would be a dark day. Um, okay. That's all I got for movie news, rumors, rumblings tonight. But I'm sure we have a lot of Spider-Man talk ahead. Let's uh, take a swig of water and come back on the other side and discuss Spider-Man. Boom. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. 
Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So Spider-Man is back in the MCU for the second time on screen. We previously discussed Tom Holland's work as Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. And uh, this is the first official Spider-Man movie in this uh, canon, I guess. This is the last movie before Thor Ragonk, and uh, the last other last other movie besides Thor Ragonk till the last Avengers movie, Avengers. By the way, four, save your emails. We know it's not Ragonk. Ragonk is a Dallas-related sports joke. Yeah. And so if you send us stupid emails about how it's not really Ragonk, we're going to call it Ragonk forever. Deal with it. <laughs> I, I thought it was Ragonk, actually. I only see Ragonk when I look on the yeah. screen. I wrote a thing for the blog last week, and a, like an anticipated movies, and I wrote Thor Ragonk three or four times before. No, that's not right. I had to correct it. So no, I, in my no, mind, it that's is. right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. it. Rolls off the tongue better than Ragnarok. Or Just go to Ragonk.com. You'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> um. Anyway, it, last Avengers movie right around the corner too, and they've said. The Marvel people have said that the next Spider-Man movie, so Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming 2, will be the first movie in a new timeline of the MCU. The official refresh, basically a 22-movie arc, uh, story arc that they've done here with all these Marvel movies and um, all the canon that they've built up. That's going to end finally with the Infinity War, the Infinity Gauntlet timeline Thanos stuff, and then on to bigger and better, brighter things on the other side of Avengers 4, we can call it, maybe, because sure. Civil War was kind of Avengers 3 in a way. Like, that's a weird talk, but um, here we are, Spider-Man Homecoming, and this didn't let me down. <laughs> this was uh, almost everything I wanted it to be in my Spider-Man movie. 
Um, it had the lighthearted charm. It had the uh, sarcastic comments from Spider-Man, and it really built up the characters around him in a fun but mysterious way. It had a compelling villain. It was uh, lighthearted, like I said. I don't really, I really don't think you can take Spider-Man too seriously. So I appreciated that, and uh, I love seeing these characters interact with Spider-Man, the Outer Mans, the Happies, all of them, and I'm excited for uh, more screen time with them and in future movies with other Avengers. And this was a very strong, quite strong start for um, Spider-Man in the MCU. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Richard, um, I know you're dying to talk Spider-Man. You've yeah. been, it's been months since you've gotten to give your thoughts. I know. So. I didn't get to give the uh, early talks. So on, give us uh, your Maguire thoughts, actually, before. Yeah, um, I remember going yeah. to see. Uh, so Spider-Man was the only superhero that I had any kind of relationship with as a kid. I guess maybe, like, Batman movies. But, like, in terms of, like, cartoons and stuff, I would watch the Spider-Man cartoons because he was funny. Mm-hmm. And he had brown hair. And these are two things I look for in uh, related <laughs> to, to people. Um, so I, I liked uh, – I always liked Spider-Man. Um, and he was like closer to my age than, than you know. Spider- so I like that. And I remember going to see the first Spider-Man movie with my mom, and then uh, and it was the first time I ever remember walking out of the movie because you know I was probably when did that come out? Two thousand. Two thousand one, I think. Two thousand one. So I was fourteen or fifteen. I walked out and been like, oh man, that was not that good. And I remember being super bummed about it because at the time I was discovering like Evil Dead. Um, and uh, Army of Darkness. So I was a, I was pumped about Spider Man. I was pumped about the Sam Raimi, and I was really into like all fired up. This movie's gonna rock. And then I was just not that into it. So I never saw Spider Man two in theaters. And then I saw it later on. It was on cable or something, and I liked it. It was better, um, but still not really the Spider Man that I had familiarized myself with uh, because he wasn't funny. Tobey Maguire's Spider Man wasn't funny, and to me it was always important Spider Man would be funny. And then. Uh, so I saw Spider-Man 2. It was at least like a cool action movie, but still not quite what I was looking for, whatever. And I saw Spider-Man 3 in, tra- in the theater, and I remember two things, that he went email halfway through it, and then I got a speeding ticket on the way home. That's all I remember. And raindrops are falling on my head. And uh, never <laughs> and, and, and the guy from Wings uh, was Sandman. So I, I, that was – then I kind of wrote Spider-Man off, and then we started doing this podcast. And so did we do Spider-Man 2? I saw Spider-Man the, – the new Spider-Man 2, Amazing yeah, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, we did. 2. We did. We did that. So I saw that in the theaters, and I saw the first one of that before I watched the made Spider-Man 2 on DVD, I think, because I don't think we did that one on the podcast. And that one just – again, I was fired up when they were re- – I was like, finally, okay, they're redoing it. Andrew Garfield, I only knew him at this point through Social Network. I was like, this is going to be uh, – funny and the right spider-man tone and everything and i love emma stone that's awesome and then i went and saw it and it was still not the right tone it's just more of the same and so uh then Mar- and i always kind of followed you know i i'm kind of like the uh business reporter on this show like i understood why sony kept making them because if they don't stop making them they lose the rights and uh and then they uh and then marvel bought the rights and uh And or got the rights back through a partnership with with Sony, and they uh, and so I was like, okay, they're gonna get the humor tone right. It's gonna be funny. Um, it's gonna be action packed. It's gonna be everything we want it to be. So I went and saw it. Saw the trailers. Things look good. Saw Civil War. Things look good. And went to see this, and it was even better. 
than I thought it would be. It was finally the right tone of the Spider-Man I grew up with. Tom Holland is king, and I was all in, loved this. Maybe my favorite Marvel movie ever. I loved it. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, it was really weird to see the Sony logo on the screen the first time, uh, for the first time with this. And, man, they made the Marvel Studios logo just ridiculous. Did you see the <laughs> huge intro with all the heroes and the animation and the music? Sony's name just, like, flashed for a second at the beginning. Uh, I wonder if that was intentional. But, man, this was uh, this definitely weird to see that partnership. Brian, uh, any general thoughts real quick? On this. Yeah, I'm told, I'm with Richard. Um, I like Spider-Man one and two just fine. Two especially, I think two is very very good still. One, you know, kind of up and down. But we, you and I talked about it plenty, Kent. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man one and two, I just just really misses. It just really misses on pretty much every level. It's not that they're. I haven't watched two in a long time, but Cooper watches one. I don't know, fairly frequently, and it's fine. But it just doesn't have the right it doesn't have the right tone it doesn't have the the character sensibilities that you want from uh from peter always almost say peter pan from peter parker or spider-man and some of the action is just really lame and so i was very excited to have this back in the marvel fold because if there's there's plenty that you can say about marvel to criticize them for being super corporate but they they don't screw this sort of thing up right like they get this stuff done correctly and maybe it's cookie cutter and maybe it's uh they have it down to like a formula and stuff but that formula works really well and they know what they're doing and so i was really happy to have them in the fold i was nervous though not the trailers were really strong i was a little worried we were gonna get uh iron man overload which has been a problem for marvel movies for for a while now uh and the trailers didn't necessarily make me feel better about that uh but more than anything I just was like, this is this is kind of the last chance to get this right. If you screw up this movie, then we need a Spider-Man break for 15 to 20 years because we can't just come back in three years and pretend like we hadn't seen Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland and just move along. And I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's one of my two or three favorite comic book superheroes of all time. And, and really, besides Batman, the only one that I cared about as a kid, the only one I cared about growing up. And so I wanted I want to see it done right. And two, you know, my son is super into Spider-Man right now. He's he's more into Spider-Man than he is Star Wars or uh, whatever Minions or any of the stuff that uh, that kids are into. He is all about Spider-Man, and I want him to be able to see Spider-Man on screen in good movies that I can stand to watch and stuff. So to me, the stakes were higher here than they typically are with a Marvel movie. And they told, I think they totally brought it. There's very little complaint that I have about this movie. And it starts off so wonderfully and gives you a great sense of who Tom Holland is and who, uh, how he's going to portray the Peter Parker side of the character just as much as the Spider-Man side. And that, that to me was vital because it's the, Tobey Maguire was okay as Peter Parker, and I think Andrew Garfield was okay as Spider-Man. Neither one of them were great at either side of it, but they were both very bad at the other side of that equation. And so I was like, we just, we so badly need to have Spider-Man and Peter Parker. We need to get both sides of that equation right, and I think Holland nails it. So I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. 
uh, it's definitely one that I'll happily sit and watch again and again. And um, I think they picked the perfect way to start the movie and kind of get you integrated into what the, the actual MCU version of the Spider-Man universe is without going through the freaking origin story again. And, uh, you know, compare and contrast with, with BVS where we have to see Bruce Wayne's parents die again for what feels like the 50th time. And, uh, and instead we just move on and we don't have to deal with uncle Ben and we don't have to deal with great, with great power comes great responsibility. And they're actually, uh, they're actually dying again in Justice League, just <laughs> just to remind you, just in case somebody didn't know. But uh, this time, the pearls they don't bounce; they just hit the concrete and stay there. <laughs> just FYI. Cool. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Did the bats swim around the pearls after that? Is that is that part coming? Um, look, it's this was really fun, and I, I had a great time with it, and I'm I love the kind of John Hughes ness to it, uh, especially early on. That's a great way to establish. The character and the world and all that sort of stuff so this was a i was nervous about it just because of the stakes but this proved once again that you know i it would be hard to come out of this movie even if you're staunchly against marvel which i'm not because they pay me a lot of money to like their movies and uh even if i wasn't in that camp um i, I would be hard pressed to come out being like that sucked or that was just another terrible Marvel or whatever. It's it's it really. I think it had the right life and the right tone and all that sort of stuff. So I had a, I had a great time with it. Yeah, uh, man, it's uh, it is refreshing to see uh, to not have to do the uh, the spider bite even you know or any of the how did you acquire your powers? Like everybody knows <laughs> how Spider Man became Spider Man. Really, uh, we're good. And they you know they don't even. Yeah, that's right. He invented a uh, cool suit. Right? Yeah. Iron suit. That's right. <laughs> I'm mixing up. I don't know. I've never seen them. Uh, the, they don't even, you know, not even in Civil War do they go over the origin, really. You know, it's kind of just uh, Iron Man finds him, you know, and he see, he asks he asks Peter Parker, how did you get all this ability? And then he starts to tell him, and then he just immediately changes the subject. Or he says, like, it's a long story. And uh, I don't have time for it, or something like that. It just basically, like Marvel's like, yeah, well, it exists, but we're really, we're really just mm-hmm. moving on. And I like it's, that too. It's really it's, the biggest risk yeah. with Spider-Man. It's like, can you? That's probably what the right. Amazing Spider-Man people felt. Like, I don't think you can tell the story of Spider-Man without the origin, you know? And they like they couldn't start their cinematic universe for Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man one, two, and three, and four and beyond without the origin. And that was kind of their biggest mistake. It was like, we've seen this, we're good. You know, and that was their fatal flaw, probably. So, uh, you know, that along with combining these characters in it. I mean, I can't discount having characters that we love and are familiar with interacting with our character, our new character, a lot. I think that really takes the pressure off Tom Holland to have Robert Downey Jr. in, you know, multiple scenes in the movie with you and um, Mm -hmm. to be talking about the Avengers and Star Wars and fun things that we already know as a fan base. And uh, it was maybe the least amount of stakes for a Spider-Man in a movie starring Spider-Man yet. You yeah. know, it wasn't all up to him, which is yeah. great. And they use him just enough. It really reminded me, or Tom Holland did, of uh, like Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future, where he's just like kind of fish out of water and she's just kind of reacting to stuff around him. And that's what's, that was so great. I mean, Michael J. Fox is probably the best reactionary actor ever. I mean, he barely says anything and he's just kind of, 
walking around Hill Valley, just kind of stunned at everything he sees. He's in the future. He's in the past. You know, it's it's the entire movie is based on. I really felt that, you know, that ability with Tom Holland, the, the comic timing and the, mm-hmm. the ability to play off people was really, really uh, good. And I was thinking of the other people they almost had. I think Asa Butterfield was one of them that was going to be Spider-Man. Yeah, and that sounds right. somebody else. But I was just thinking, man, this would be weird, Asa Butterfield. I don't think this would have worked. I think they really picked the right person. Yeah. And I didn't know Tom Holland before that. Maybe mm. that's kind of the beauty of it, too, is they kind of picked a lesser-known person to where you don't go in with all these preconceived Tobey Maguire hate toward him or something <laughs> like that, you know, like people did. And um, that worked, too. But there's so much that worked here. And it's just kind of the conception of the entire idea and the way they went about it, that's uh, most attractive kind of to me. And um, the story works as well, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> but um, Nice bonus. Yeah. 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 So something we, uh, we liked, Brian, with the other Spider-Man movies were the villains. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, something we talked about a lot. We, I think we liked Doc Ock the most. Oh, there's cool elements to the Sandman in a way. The transformation's cool. Sequence, uh, Green Goblin doesn't really work at all. In my opinion, uh, neither does the Rhino or, you know, uh, the Dr. Lizard, whatever his name is, or <laughs> even Jamie Foxx's Electro, which could have been cool but didn't really work for me at all. And that that's all cool, but I think, to your point, Richard, in, in the uh, This Is Your Favorite Marvel Movie, I think Michael Keaton's my favorite Marvel movie villain so yeah, far. Yeah, great. I think he's, he was super compelling, and it was like a realistic – business that he was in in a way you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 motivation for a lot of these villains seems so far-fetched you know i'm gonna open up this portal or take over you know build this huge robot or i'm gonna you know have these aliens come down or whatever they're trying to do something that's so complex that you're just like all this guy was doing was selling guns you know pretty much to bad people and that was causing this chain reaction of bad events you know the guns just happened to be from the Avengers, the Chitari weapons, you know, the alien weapons, but it was just a super simple plot line for an antagonist, and it really worked for me. What did you guys think of Michael Keaton in this? Keaton's the best. Uh, I'm enjoying Keaton Assance, you know? It's really cool to see him, because he's always been he's always been great, and to see him kind of rediscover, or for, I guess, to see uh, the film going world rediscover how great he is. And, and he's, he's very versatile and they're putting, he's been put in several different awesome roles lately. So this is, to me, this is far and away the best villain of any Marvel movie. It's, it's not, it's not particularly close now in fairness, like there's not, that's the main weakness of most of the Marvel films is there's not a compelling villain, but you look at just this year You've had Kurt Russell as a villain, and and now uh, now Michael Keaton as a villain, and they're both really good because they have this like I don't know they have this edge and this gravitas that they bring to the screen that is so uh, it's enjoyable to watch. And then they he has Keaton especially just has this edge of kind of menace to him that that makes it fun. I liked this. I liked the stakes of this whole movie. It was nice to have, especially a Marvel movie, but a comic book movie in general where the world is not immediately in danger of being destroyed, right? Like the, the whole bit is just, if he doesn't, if Spider-Man doesn't take down Vulture, then Vulture is just going to continue to sell big guns to people. And eventually that will turn into worse and worse stuff. But 
it's not it's not an immediate the world gets destroyed and we all die and that was right. that was kind of a it was it was like a breath of fresh air but b it was it fits it fits spider-man it fits the friendly neighborhood spider-man bit that this is working with and so having that clashed against keaton who is a very aside from crazy robotic wings he's very realistic and very down to earth much closer to something out of like a cops and robbers movie than uh you know a superhero movie and that was that works that was fun it fits the the aesthetic and the the narrative really well and the fact that it wasn't uh, this crazy you know red skull or loki or somebody that you know that has even supernatural origins or anything like that it was just a guy and he had like a crazy jacket, I guess, you know, like a uh-huh. flight jacket, but it was just a normal dude. And that kind of made it scary too. Just kind of a guy with weird and he had a normal family and everything, so that made it even doubly creepy, you know. He had like a he was a normal dad and all that. Uh that was cool. But I love the aspect like you mentioned, Brian, of stakes are kind of low, they're kind of on a break. This is kind of a break between big events you know in the avengers universe and uh at the beginning of the movie they're like all right thanks peter uh we'll call you <laughs> and that's pretty much mm-hmm. uh how he leaves things off with the avengers you know it's very matter of fact like playing up the whole fact i'm like what do what do superheroes really do when they're not fighting crime and you know like they they have the shawarma scene in uh, the avengers i think or something you know they're just kind of hanging out and eating chinese food and all right well we'll call you thanks you know and i love that and the fact that Spider-Man just has to live a normal life. He can't always be – it's not always all fun and games once you're an Avenger, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. how he, he loves the Avengers, the entire movie, you know? Uh, but that's that's ultimately his goal is to is to be an Avenger and how much he calls happy and everything and texts him and, and all that. <laughs> like he wants to be an Avenger, and that's just a huge character-building aspect of in the movie is him – looking up to the Avengers and wanting to be that um, so bad and bond with Tony and all that. I think that works really well uh, here. Yeah. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark too, because they're kind of one and the same. He works so well when he has just one person to play off of and kind of throw stuff off the wall and see what bounces back. And I always like seeing him, whether it's in these movies or, or elsewhere, I like seeing Robert Downey Jr. do that, um, and this is kind of like the peak. Of that. It's like somebody really understood. It's fun when he's just kind of berating somebody, but in a semi-positive way. Like that's a really enjoyable time, and and it's a good way to use his character without letting it become uh, Iron Man four. You know, it's just it's it's fun to see him bounce off with with Tom Holland and just kind of have this um, this chemistry between each other as mentor and mentee and all that stuff that's really it turns out that's fun to watch huh and so that was a good way to use him in the movie yeah i agree uh, i think this one really took i guess liberties with practical effects more than most of them i feel like have i felt like i saw more actual stunt work in this one correct me if I'm wrong, than I've seen in previous Spider-Man movies. Like, more use of practical effects. For example, the the scene where he kind of goes into his bedroom, you know, and uh, or sneaks into his bedroom, crawls through the window, you know, onto the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that's just flipped, they flipped the shot, you know. 
Yeah, uh, there's a there's sure. a moment where he takes off his mask and like throws his mask. But the way that he throws his mask seems a little weird. Like it's really forced. Like why did he take off his mask and throw it down? You know, it's trying mm-hmm. to trick you into thinking that he was upside down. You know, and simple tricks like that where they can have him actually acting and being Spider-Man, have Tom Holland being Spider-Man. And uh, that really worked too in this, having him in the Mm -hmm. suit a a lot of the times and uh, having the mask half off sometimes and things like that. I really liked that too. Um, I always felt like in the other Spider-Man movies, especially the Tobey Maguire ones, if he was in the suit, it's CG or something, you know, with his voiceover or something, or it's some stunt guy. You know, I really Mm -hmm. felt like he was Spider-Man. Speaking of the suit, what a cool way to merge Spider-Man into the MCU is just basically have it as an Iron Man suit or a Stark Industries export, mm-hmm. right? I, I loved, I love Stark Industries, all that that whole business side, the gadgetry side of the MCU, and if they can just keep adding to that, that's all the better in my opinion. So the fact that they had the Spidey suit uh, made by Stark was awesome. That was that's mm-hmm. my favorite part of the movie was what they did with the the suit. That was really cool. That's a good way to integrate those two worlds. It's such a missed opportunity in other movies, you know? They've experimented with doing things with this suit for a while and trying to change up Spider-Man's kind of abilities and origin. And this is an easy way to do that in just saying it can do everything. The suit can do literally everything. And they, I like the part with the training wheels and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess they're kind of showing us there's – you know, stick around for this Spider-Man because he has a lot of potential with what we can do with this suit. You know, I sure uh, I, up to the potential of, of Iron Man, if not more, because it's Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I loved all that stuff. I really, really loved mm-hmm. it. So there's also some big, big action sequences. I think they really work well. I love the Washington Monument scene. Uh, a lot, the cruise ship, of course, really, really big scale action with Spider-Man that I that I really enjoyed here. What which uh, big scene worked for you guys the most, Richard? Hmm, I don't know. To me, this Spider-Man doesn't thrive in the big scenes; it thrives in sort of the more dialogue-driven stuff. So I, we should talk about. I'll I'll you spend my time here talking about the more Peter Parker stuff in the in the school. Um, and, and the more of the dialogue driven scenes, because that's what makes Marvel great is that sort of quippy, smart, fun, um, easy to digest, uh, dialogue. And, uh, that's what makes Spider-Man great. So it's a perfect, uh, perfect, uh, marriage here. And, uh, Brian, what'd you, what did you think of, of some of that? Do you think they executed it well? And then I'll let you two talk about the big action pieces there to me, they were just a spoiler alert. While they were smaller stakes than most Marvel action things and that the world wasn't at stake, uh, they were still a little bit Iron Man suity and the same mm. kind of CGI, which is fine. I get it. We're all right. We all know what's up here. But uh, what did you think of some of the smaller scenes, Bry? I love that stuff. I thought that was, you know, they so much of that is is early on. Uh, and then they kind of go away from it, which is fine because they had other things, other fish to fry, so to speak, and other things to get to. But um, I, I thought it was fun to see – I thought it was fun to see that, the school, in a little bit of a different light than what we've seen in the past movies. And probably – I think it gets a little closer to some of the original comics and stuff. Um, not that I'm a 
huge you know comic expert or anything but it seemed more true to that side of things and it just made it i don't know like you forget you certainly forget in the toby mcguire ones and i and i think you 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 lose it somewhat with the andrew garfield ones too you forget that he's in high school and that he's a kid and that all the things that um he is dealing with on a daily basis that are just high school related stuff like all, all you know both of the first the amazing spider-man and the raimi spider-man you know have the stuff with flash bullying him and all this stuff but at the same time toby mcguire looks like he's 47 years old so you never feel like you're watching a kid and this one, gosh, it got that stuff just spot on. Like the the nerdiness of him and his buddy Ned, and um, the you know the the borderline creepy staring at girls, but in a very I think innocent, naive way. And then the way that Michelle and um, and Liz interact with him, I I love that. And, and even Flash too. I was a little bit taken aback by Flash because um, I'm just so used to Flash being big jock bully guy uh, that. That Tony, Tony Revolori, Revolori is not quite what I think of when I think of Flash. But he, I think he got the kind of douche side of being a bully really well, and so that was that was fun. It made for um, this. It made for a very high school feel kind of movie that also happens to be a superhero movie. And obviously, that's what they're going for. So it's not like I'm coming up with some brilliant piece of criticism there. But that was clearly the goal, and I I thought they nailed that completely whereas all the other spider-man movies have completely missed that to this point yeah i i really like the fact that he you really see peter parker having to struggle with being spider-man and being in high school Mm -hmm. you know uh the fact that he really wants to tell everybody because he knows he'll be the most popular person in school but he really can't you know and yeah ned knowing and you as an audience is fearing oh he's gonna tell everybody there's going to be a part where he's going to go over the school intercom and tell everybody Peter Parker, Spider-Man, you know, that, 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 that risk is real, you know? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, man, but the way that they went about the reveal with, I guess it's the vulture in the car. That's my favorite scene of the movie where yeah. they're driving to the prom or the homecoming dance. And we're at spoilers at this point, yeah. just in case anybody has spoilers, I guess, is, yeah, what'd you think spoiler. of that reveal? Did that catch you off guard? Uh, the reveal that it was uh, her dad, yeah, mm-hmm. that caught yeah. me off same. guard. Oh, yeah, same. It was a same. really and cool I, reveal. I leaned over to my friend who was, who was seeing the movie with me, and I said, I feel like I should have seen that coming, but I totally didn't. Because they really foreshadowed it a lot uh, with just sort of the talking about Oh, what's Vulture's name? Now I'm forgotten. I just think of him as Vulture. Tombs. Talking about Tombs' family and all that stuff early in the movie, they kind of they, – they really did show you this is what's coming, but you didn't mm-hmm. – I, I didn't at least. I didn't pick up on it at all, and it was a total – it was a complete shock to me and everybody in our in the theater, I think. The when, – when Vulture, I guess, she's telling the story about all the times that he was conveniently gone or whatever, I – I love that when he's mm-hmm. just sitting driving the car and you see both of them or all three of them in the frame, you know, and she's telling mm-hmm. it and them two are kind of reacting to it. I, I think that was brilliant and yeah. a brilliant bit of writing, a brilliant bit of acting and execution. And you were just scared to death of him when mm-hmm. he turns around and, and says, I know who you are, you know, I, man, 
that gave me the chills. I love that. I love that reveal, and I loved everything about it. So that won me over for this villain. You know, they, mm-hmm. before that, it was just, yeah, he's flying around, cool wings, everything. But, man, when that scene happened, it won me over. Yeah. It won me over. Yeah, and, and he escalates from there, too, which is uh-huh. which is an interesting way. To, and I love that. I thought that was – I thought that was a great way to show <sighs> – what you're what you can get from a villain when he when he's a, a a normal human being and not something with magic or some superpower or whatever when you have a human being and you push him basically when you when you corner him what are you going to get you get that scene with him in the car with peter and it's so that's super intimidating and menacing and that was everything that you want from a villain in this kind of movie he just he hammers that it's awesome and the fact that they double it down with him on his first date with a girl. So he's already nervous. Mm-hmm. If it sure. even wasn't this guy, he would already be in this place mentally. And mm-hmm. you add all this coming together all at once. I bet it was just a great, great setup and everything. And another scene that I didn't see coming was Spider-Man being stuck under the rubble after he tears down the building. And he's just laying there crying for help for 30 seconds. You know, And that, that was the first time in this... In the, in the Spider-Man series where I felt like, oh, there are stakes here, you know? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. hasn't – it's not something you expect from Marvel, especially when they're setting up a character. But it showed me that there were stakes, and he played that really well. Tom Holland did too, mm-hmm. and uh, very powerful, very powerful. Yeah, he, he hit that well. I thought the bit of him like kind of staring back at himself – in the water mm-hmm. was a little bit lame. Like the, the scene itself that, I was yeah. in. Yeah. I was totally in on that scene. Art, uh, Arturo Torres, the, an artist that we're all pretty big fans of referred to that on Twitter as a, as a lion King moment. And it totally was like, that was straight out of the lion King. And I, I don't know. I don't, I didn't, that was a, like a slightly, like a slight dip in what was a really cool scene. I could have done without that 10 second aspect to it you know i heard that i heard that that was a a nod to the comics because that that image of you know the 50 50 face with half the mask and half of his face that Mm. that's a prominent image in the comics so if you're gonna throw an homage in there maybe that was an awkward time to do it i don't know if that would have worked but i love the funny homage to the original spider-man where you think they're gonna kiss when they're upside down or he said or or karen the new ai says kiss her now it's the best time when he was hanging upside down in front of uh, his crush. Mm-hmm. So that was funny. I love the female AI too. I love the Jennifer Connelly. I love the twist on Jarvis that they had in the movie. Sure. Yeah, and that was cool. That was really, I thought that really was cool funny, too. Man. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, really their, stuff. Yeah, their interactions were funny and fit. It was a, it was a playoff series too, I could tell. You know, mm-hmm. the, way, the way that the voice was constructed it wasn't always stuff jarvis would say it was like misinterpreting what he was saying you know almost like siri does sometimes and playing off that stuff and that was good uh what about the reveal of mj i guess we're gonna call her it's not mary jane it's michelle Michelle, i I don't know michelle james i don't know that was a little odd i didn't i don't care I certainly don't care about, um, I guess the the racial identity of that character, but I thought it was a little weird to try to 
play it off as like, oh, she's not. We're gonna keep it a secret until the last scene. And I'm not super convinced that Zendaya is is a good actress. So I'm not. I'm Zendaya. Not Zendaya, excuse me. Oh, so you uh, don't watch hair commercials like I do. <laughs> yeah, I have seen. I, think, I don't think uh, she's an Casey actress. Undercover. I think she's a, a no, singer. No, she is. She's well. She's in Casey Undercover too, which is a big. Disney and she was on Project show. Runway a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, I don't so know. It's, You're it's fine. I could be wrong, but I just, I wasn't, I've never been super enthused with her, what she brings to the screen. And so now I kind of liked her as a, I think she was really solid as the, the fifth person as, you know, where she gets a line here and there and she delivered that well. I thought she played that character very well. I don't know that I'm super enthusiastic about seeing her get, a lot of screen time in Spider-Man 2 and 3 and so on and so forth. But, you know, you could be wrong. So, I'm glad they didn't go down the Gwen Stacy MJ train in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. then the whole, we don't have to, that's just more origin you would have to go over. And they, did, they chose not to. So, at least save it for the, the sequel if you're going to do that. Sure. Uh, who else? I like Ned. I thought he was good. Yeah, he was really cool. He, uh, he's kind of the opposite of like a comic relief character like you would have had in Baywatch, you know? What was that guy's name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to think about it. But yeah, that's much better. Much better. I've much seen better r- rumors that having Donald Glover involved in this is some kind of... They might yeah. make him a, a, a Spider-Man at some point. Yeah, would you like to... I, I have some info on that because I went to see this with my Spider-Man nerd buddy. Because you think, surely, if you're going to get him in this, there's going to be a bigger role. Man. So yeah, so Some he plays in the comics. That character is a like a a very skilled thief. No, I think his name is the Prowler. Mm-hmm. And he he mentioned his nephew. His nephew is Miles Morales, who becomes Spider-Man in much of the the comics at some point. So, okay, so, so that will play out at some point. He'll play imagine. out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, it's just good to see something go right for Donald Glover. <laughs> Lately. Get Donald Glover in every movie, man. He's so cool. He's just he just exudes this confidence and coolness, and he is completely, I don't know, is a different character than what you what he is in every other movie. You know, he he nails this these little roles. He's so fun. Yeah, I, I man, I really like the scene where Spider Man's going through the neighborhood, and it's such a friendly neighborhood Spider Man kind of feel, where he's running between the houses and everything. And he sees the Ferris Bueller's Day Off scene where he's doing the same thing. I love that little, those little Easter eggs throughout the movie. And great yeah. job by Disney throwing Star Wars into here a ton. They're just marketing themselves at this point. <laughs> it's it comes like, oh, that's nostalgic. I'm like, no, we're just making money. Every time people think yeah. about Star Wars, that's dollar signs. So, all those scenes too serve to give you a feel for this kid trying to figure out how powerful he is and what, and obviously that culminates with him underneath the the rubble and trying to get out and stuff. But I feel like all, I feel like the previous Spider-Man movies have missed on, this is a kid trying to learn what he can do, what he's capable of, what his powers can do and such. And typically in the previous Spider-Man movies, we've gotten like a 30 second montage and then we're done. And then he's just like super powerful and Spider-Man and stuff. And so to have that narrative continue through a lot of the movie where he's uh, he gets a little bit better, but he learns a little bit. He understands the suit a little bit better, but he still is a 15-year-old kid making stupid mistakes and stuff. I think that 
it works so well for that character and it makes me it makes me kind of dislike whatever my my grades were for previous spider-man films i feel like they all come down a notch because this one has gotten it right on that aspect of it has found the right tone for what to do with that character and they hit that over and over and over again throughout the movie and it just it makes those scenes not just fun kit but like necessary too Mm -hmm. i think and that's that's cool you almost want more of those than you want spider-man swinging around which is usually the opposite Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed what they did with aunt may too obviously we know the aunt may uncle ben storyline and but this is not an aunt may that's grieving and dying you know Mm -hmm. this is an aunt may that's like getting hit on all the time and seems totally hip and fun and you know obviously uh young younger than the the sally fields of the past right (laughs) so so that that's also a different kind of how can we twist this on its head a little bit more is make aunt may a different kind of actually yeah a different character than she's been she's not just a grieving widow right she's actually Uh a part part of what's happening yeah and she's marissa tomei so that doesn't that doesn't hurt ever marissa tomei seinfeld zone marissa tomei um yeah totally different there my cousin schwingy (laughs) (laughs) totally different there but it's the the second kind of reveal or twist is the fact that he spoilers spoilers is the fact that Peter Parker denies being an Avenger. Says no. Mm. I love Makes that. Makes the right decision. Passes the test. Yeah. Passes the test. Fun. It leaves him in the right spot. Because he, he is in the perfect spot. You kind of mentioned it earlier, Kent, where it's like you can call him in when you need to for Avengers and stuff, but the stakes can remain lower for him. And so we can have more of these... Um, it's not just that they're fun, but this feels like it is a little bit – there's a little bit of relief that this doesn't have to fit in in terms of scope with the other Avenger movies, I think, or at least for me. I felt that way, and so that can continue for at least another movie or two, and that's fun. Really? Yeah, I think it is too. The uh, – good grief. That stuff was good, but you – when you put the Avengers in this, it there's automatically going to be more stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but how much more Tony Stark are we actually going to have? Is he? Is this? Is this another? I guess one more movie. Is he going to show up in Thor? Is he going? Is he here to stay? Uh, I'm just wondering what what scenario is are we going to see the downfall of Iron Man? Because mm-hmm. there's no more Iron Man movies. Is his death going to have? Is death going to happen in the next Avengers movie? I guess is my is my question. the 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 moment where Peter Parker denies the Avengers is kind of the Peter Parker denying MJ right at the beginning of, of the first Spider Man movie. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, oh, he's been, he's been working for this the whole movie, but but he but he didn't want it at the end. You know, he made the right decision. Didn't you think with great power comes great responsibility? The line was going to happened in that moment i <laughs> yeah. was just waiting yeah. for it i was like that's gonna be the comeback to iron man i'm sorry sir i was hoping with great power hoping, becomes great responsibility <laughs> i was hoping tony stark would would walk through a park the raindrops are falling on my head 
hope if he grew out his emo bangs at that moment and just like, sorry, sir, I've got work to do. Just storms off like an emo, crying emo kid. Uh, that was uh, – it was definitely crazy uh, for that to happen. But cool moment for Pepper Potts to make an appearance again. And the fact that they roomed him with Vision or they didn't or they made a joke about that was funny because Vision's already become kind of a punchline character. Yeah. Get rid of Vision. And, <laughs> and the fact that they actually had a press conference scheduled is funny. And, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So where does the end fall for you guys? I think it really ends well. And maybe the funniest closing line to a movie, which is WTF, basically. <laughs> when credits roll, is great. Yeah, that was strong. It's a fun way to – that is something that drives me nuts in most comic book movies is this, like, I've got to keep my identity hidden from the people that love me. Like, that's just such a – to me, that's very tired, and I get that trope of, like, oh, is Aunt May going to find out or whoever. I always just get beaten down by that. So let's – I'm happy that we've And it's established. a throwback to the original – the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, Iron Man, where yeah. he's like, I'm Iron Man. Boom. Restarts yeah. the Iron Man kind of mm, narrative. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good – I think that was a strong way to, to finish it out. Gosh, we didn't mention Captain America. Those those bits those are awesome. killed me. He's basically like Smokey story. the Bear. Yeah, you know, oh, and him and Hannibal Burst. Like that was perfect. The way they used those videos and stuff. That was strong. I love that stuff. I did too. So, so I guess do y'all think though this is Iron Man's last movie is going to be Avengers? I asked that earlier, but I sidetracked myself. Sorry. I think so. I think it's it's certainly set up that way, at least. And the internet seems to think so. I'm okay so. with – and they've set it up for the fact that he can be remotely now. You know, he doesn't have mm. to be in the suit. So I could see him being in the movie and being like in a – like chilling on a beach somewhere in like one scene in a movie – six movies from now, you know, and, or he sends a suit out or he still has control of – Peter Parker's suit in some way. You know, I, I think they could work him into it without having to commit Robert Downey Jr. to being in the suit and doing the whole bit. You know, it may, might make it worth his while to, for his character to at least still be involved, but to a lesser extent each sure. each each and every time. I, I think uh, he, he'd be, almost be foolish to turn that down at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, any closing thoughts on Homecoming? I thought this was a super, super strong first effort um but i'm thinking about the superhero movies this year this might be only my like third favorite superhero movie this year <laughs> third or even fourth favorite if we count baby driver as a superhero movie which it <laughs> kind of is you know like if if it was like based on the comic series baby driver that one would be like man best superhero movie ever baby driver <laughs> you know um it is close um but it's i like logan a lot so i think logan Logan might be my top of the year, but I really think this is a strong outing for Marvel. And mm-hmm. the way I've kind of been thinking about Marvel lately, and same with the Black Panther trailer, I don't think we ever really talked about that officially on the on the yeah. show. But we, you know, let me know when they have a bad trailer. You know, I know I almost yeah. like you come to know expect only great things from then. I think it's going to be news when they have something that just completely bombs and sucks. Which is mm-hmm. everything they've done has been kind of great. They're like they're. They're they're batting Pixar averages at this point, you know, and that's great for them. So good, good, solid effort. I'm going to grade this out at an A for Homecoming. Uh, Brian? 
Close yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. It's, it's an A for me. I would st- I would have it beneath Logan, and then in competition with uh, Logan, Wonder Woman, and I, but I think I, I would have it higher than than Guardians Volume Two. I think uh, I really mm-hmm. I enjoyed the ride. It, to me, it's a it's a much more even ride than Guardians Two is. Maybe the highs are better in Guardians Two. I don't know, but this at least at least right now this seems uh, like. A little bit more of an enjoyable and a, and a consistent movie. I, to, I love that the, the opening bit with him making the, sh- the his little short film and stuff. I thought that was a from really the perspective way. of Civil yeah. War. I really thought that was yeah, good that, too. Yeah, that was a clever way to introduce the character, and then you take that him directly from that to like the, what how boring it would be to sit in a high school classroom after you've been. Doing. I mean, it was boring enough for me, and I was a complete loser. So, like, having done that and then having That's to That's not true, to... dude. You had insane basketball spreadsheets, which was your superhero. <laughs> My fantasy your... basketball team that I kept track of on paper was unstoppable, uh, reading box scores during class and stuff. But, no, like, I thought that was a really clever way to show what a whipping it must have been for him as a kid to go from that to – just being in a class somewhere else. So yeah, it was really good. Um, and if it's not the best Spider-Man, it's certainly the second best behind Spider-Man Two, and that's that's a that would be an interesting debate. But yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm I'm a strong I'm a solid A. Richard, how about you? Mm, I'm gonna go solid A as well. Solid A, eight A. I just really enjoyed this. I had fun. I have to see it again to like really rank it in my Marvel canon. But mm-hmm. this was as much fun as I remember coming out of the theater as I have since the first Iron Man. Or Thor two. <laughs> this Obviously. might this might rank in top five for me, and as far as MCU, I really like Iron Man still. I really like the Winter Soldier a lot. Mm. I really like the Avengers still, and then I like this a lot, and I like the original Guardians if we count that. So, yeah, totally. uh, I think it's right up there though. I think it's right up there. Okay, let's uh, move on and hit our weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay, I'm going to recommend a television series tonight. Whoa, you've got television? I, got, I have a television, Man, and I'm Greg. able to watch series on them. Wow. Through the magic. Is it, is it White Chicks, the series? It's not. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. Um, I'm recommending Freaks and Geeks. I don't think I've maybe officially nice. recommended it on the show. Uh, I read an article with Judd Apatow talking about um, the origin of Freaks and Geeks and when him and Paul Feig uh, created the show. Ghostbusters. And Paul Ghostbusters Feig. own, answered the call's Please, own uh, Paul Feig. <laughs> I think that's all he does. I think that's all he's known for is Ghostbusters. I think that's, yeah. I According think to right. his Twitter, that's all he has done. He's, that's all he's known for. Um, but really interesting article, and it just really got me thinking about the the show and kind of the time period it exists in and how, how it kind of set so many careers um, on a path and everything, and John Francis Daly is in the on the show, and he wrote Spider-Man: Homecoming. So there's another little uh, Easter egg for you connection to um, this episode. Really good stuff, and it's fun to see the careers of the people again, like him, and, uh, spawn after this. The James Franco's, the Rogans, the Linda Cardellini's the Martin Starr. Martin Starr in this movie, oh, too, as well. dear. <laughs> Mention her name. According to Vanga Forever. 
she hot. And so that definitely um, brought back a lot of memories revisiting that. And it's just great. I don't think I'd watch it. I think I think I watched it maybe, I don't know, six years ago. Watched the whole series, bought it and everything, and then hadn't watched it since. And then revisited it. It was great. It's really cool. Really good. Freaks. Really good stuff. Freaks and yeah. Geeks. It remind, Glow reminds me a bit, in a way. Just ah, the, the dialogue of the characters and how they're built in funny stuff. And uh, Glow's good, too. I finished that uh, season, too, so I can back up the recommend of our guests last week. Nice. And uh, good stuff. Allison Brie. It, watch out she Emmys. Hot. Watch out Emmys for Allison Brie and Mark Marin. Just wait. Just watch. It's going to happen. Um, okay. That's my recommend, Freaks and Geeks. Oh. Brian. I am going to recommend a little movie that uh, is near and dear to our hearts. It is freshly new to DVD, Blu-ray, I'm assuming on demand and iTunes and everywhere else where people watch movies. Let me guess. A little Let me movie. guess. Let me guess. Okay. All right. Fred, Fred Claus. Oh, how do you know? Man, the, the 4K version is... It smells, oh, though. Like, God. did you open it up and it actually yeah. smelled? It came with a package of kielbasas, actually. I got it for free. <laughs> it was a cool deal they were running. Uh, but they're, like, linked sausages, like a cartoon. It was weird. Oh. That's uh, pretty old school. Uh, I'm A little movie that I'm going to recommend that I like to call The Fate of Furious. Oh, it's out there. F8. came out today. So, uh, you know, I got my copy. And I might fire that bad boy up after we get done recording here and then work out for 14 hours because I'll be so pumped up and try not to drive for a couple of days. You know? So Fate of the Furious is out there. If you don't understand why we love Fate of the Furious, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast anymore. So just how about that? Uh, but it's it's there. It's there for you to check out if for some reason you didn't listen to us previously and, and didn't go see it in theaters 14 times like we did. So that's my recommend. RB, how about you, man? I'm going to recommend a documentary that's due to HBO. I watched all four parts last night. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's fun. It's uh, it's very much in all of our three wheelhouses, the de- the defiant ones. Uh, it's about Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, and it's kind of a first part to two parts, maybe part and a half, or their, their kind of backgrounds, kind of going back and forth, their stories and how they sort of uh, are parallel. And then from then on, for the final two and a half pieces, that's kind of their story together. Um, with Interscope and Aftermath, and or Interscope and Death Row, and then after, Interscope and Aftermath, and then Beats and all the stuff they've done together. So it's a pretty interesting documentary. Uh, there's so many awesome music people in it. Uh, obviously, Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine, Trent Reznor, Eminem, Lady Gaga, um, the guy by the name of Bruce Springsteen, another guy by the name of Bono, um, Tom. Ta- Tom not Petty, familiar. who's not familiar. Tom Petty is my. I know the Heartbreakers, but I haven't heard of this guy. But he apparently played with them a little bit. Mm. Um, Stevie I thought Nicks. Mike Reiner played with the Heartbreakers. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of touch points that these two have had. Snoop Dogg, obviously. Uh, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg might be the MVP of um, the documentary because it is really funny to watch uncensored HBO Snoop Dogg like just give like documentary talking head footage. You know what I mean? Because like. He just doesn't care at all, and he just tells the story as is, and it's it's really funny. And it's not the kind of um, censored Snoop Dogg that we've come to know over the last few years. It's like he kind of reverts back to 1996 Snoop Dogg, so that's awesome. Snoop Doggy Dogg, if you will. But it's a great documentary. I was just going to watch part one. I ended up watching all four parts last night. So uh, nice. 
I highly recommend. It's about five hours long, all the way through. It's about a half an OJ, and uh, it's 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 great. It's probably not as good as the OJ documentary. I could actually say it's definitely not as good as the OJ documentary, but it might be as, if not more, entertaining. If that makes sense. Ah, nice. I was very entertained by OJ. So that's that's high praise. Just forget you forget like the death row stuff and how like mm-hmm. I mean just how wheels off the Shug Knight stuff is. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's lots of good Shug Knight. Shug Knight drove a two door Tahoe, which is the greatest car ever made. Only, <laughs> only ballers drive a two door Tahoe because it's the most impractical the two, car. Two door Bronco, basically the two door uh, Bronco is good too. That's another solid choice. But uh, all being like. Uh, gangster rappers and high school quarterbacks drove two door top. <laughs> and my cousin David and I, shout out to David, uh, we want to start a car rental service where we only rent two door Tahoes and we just sit like from 2002 and then we just say, you want to, our tagline is, you want to feel like a legend again? And we just <laughs> rent you, we can rent you a tour to Tahoe on a business trip. But uh, no, the, get the, a, doc, the doc, you get a GMC Yukon for like, Yukon's fine too. Yeah, okay. yeah, Yukon's a little less per day because it doesn't have the cool name. Sweet. But the ex- literally the exact same centimeter by centimeter vehicle. <laughs> it's just always a weird business model to me. All right. Um, where can I find you online, Brian Gill? You can find me at the Twitter. That's what the kids call it. It's on the Twitter, I believe, at bgill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, if I'm looking for you, where can I find you? You can find me on is it Twitter uh, at, or all social media at Richard Bard. You can find me in the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which just released today. And if you didn't subscribe, um, that's okay. We have them posted on the website, uh, the the back issues. But you should definitely subscribe because there's some fun Easter eggs in there as you subscribe that will make you laugh and all that good stuff. So subscribe to the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. Kent, where can I find you? Find me online. On Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, KentGarrison.com, at KentGarrison. And find our show online, MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. Find our t-shirts, t-shirt store and t-shirts. Hey, great idea, t-shirts. It's like the, the romper for t-shirts. Um, uh, our shirt store is on there. A bunch of different designs and cool stuff for you guys. We update that every now and then. And find our show on iTunes, MadAboutMovies. Leave us five stars if you like what you hear. And uh, until next week, I think, what are we talking? Planet of the Apes? Very soon. Yeah. Rise of the dawn of the war for the Planet of the Apes, bro. Yeah. We will discuss that and more. My next week is just getting bigger and bigger down my back. <laughs> it's uh, it's worth it, though. <laughs> until then, uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. 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 Baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face 